You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Locked Bucks Porter at the Athletics Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's We're recording a little bit later, and I'm, I'm very concerned that we've opened a can of worms by doing a mailbag today. So um, I feel like normally we kind of do everything possible to just answer all the possible questions. Um I think for this first one, though, we're going to try to keep it um, maybe a little tighter uh, just so we get something done <laughs> before, you know, tomorrow morning. Yes. Um, so if you don't hear your question today, uh, we apologize. I-, I will try to um, at least tweet back or email back to people that we don't get their an answer to. And I guess we could probably do some more leftovers tomorrow night, too, right? Because we don't have any we don't have a game tomorrow night either. So um, anyway, we'll try to hit out the ones that we thought might be the most common questions that people had today. and. Um, I always love doing these, Eric. I love talking about Bucks basketball with you. I love answering questions that our smart listeners have for us. Um, so uh, do not take any of my previous comments uh, as a suggestion otherwise. But um, yeah, we're recording. It's 1042 Central Time, and I got work in the morning. So this, this could, uh, could get ugly. I was a little overwhelmed when I opened up the Lockdown Bucks Twitter account right before we started going and like compiling our questions, and there was 92 yeah. notifications. Um, that, that's a lot, um, which again, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. Obviously. Uh, I mean, you showed up to us talking live in a brewery, so you guys are pretty cool and great and we love you. Um, but I think what we tried to do was grab larger topics, larger things that we kind of saw, uh, grouped together from a number of you, uh, and hopefully we can hit a bunch of them and, uh, clean some stuff up tomorrow night, but I think we can try to hop right into it um, and kind of see where we go from here. Um, there's there's kind of a couple questions about this, um, so I'll try to group them together a little bit. But in our in our uh, in our Gmail, ironically enough, uh, a bunch of you there, Frank was overwhelmed opening up the Gmail as well. Um, but Kavan Faizi asks us. If you're button horse, do you roll with Thon and DJ as your defensive bigs come playoff time, or do you make a trade? If so, who do you target? I'm envisioning 2019's Kirk Thomas. I've read that Dwayne Dedman plays great defense. He's on an expiring. He's played under Bud. Jason Smith's contract could be used to match salary packs with a second rounder or two. Thoughts on him as a buck this year or next? That same suggestion was made to us uh, by Paul Pressey, 25, Thon and Jason Smith for Dwayne Dedman at the deadline. Um, I guess let's start there for deadline talk. I know I have a couple more questions about it, but, um, I guess kind of, what are you, what are you thinking about, uh, there as you think about the deadline, Dwayne Dedman is a name that gets mentioned, uh, quite regularly. Um, so I guess I'm curious, where's your head at, uh, on that thought 
Frank? Well, it's it's actually sort of a strange uh, and weird situation because this kind of question more broadly um, kind of makes me like I think the first question is, well, what is the Bucks' greatest area of need? And it's kind of nice because <laughs> um, there really isn't like a single thing that jumps out at me. Um, because look, I mean, obviously the Bucks don't have, you know, all-stars at every position. I, I'd say at this point, they may only have one, one all-star on the whole roster. Um, they, I think have, really? obviously, that's interesting. We should talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I think they have, um, all-star caliber players. Like I think there's, there's scenarios where you can argue that, um, you know, Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, such the way he's played this year are, are like worthy of getting the all-star game. But like, I don't think they actually will most likely, um, unless Chris just kind of, you know, hopefully he just keeps his hot streak up and, and proves, proves me wrong. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, but you just look up and down the roster and it's like, well, obviously your power forward don't need an upgrade there. Center. I mean, Brooke Lopez is literally the perfect role player for this team right now. Right. Um, yep. nobody's trying to upgrade on Brooke Lopez. Um, at point guard. I mean, again, like are there point guards who I would rather have than Eric Bledsoe? Yeah. But, you know, I'm not expecting to land Kemba Walker at the trade deadline. You know, like um, it, it's kind of also think, is Kemba Walker an upgrade? Um, I think he is. Yeah, um, but I think I think Doug, I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's as obvious as a lot of people would would suggest, right? Because I think yes, Bledsoe's defense. I think there would be definitely a sacrifice there, and I think obviously people would just sort of focus on you know Kemba's offense and what he could bring there. Um, but I think I think it more like in a playoff type type environment. I think just having like a shot maker like Kemba who you could just rely on like in the fourth quarter on the road, right? Like that I think is something that obviously Bledsoe, you know, couldn't do. But anyway, um, and obviously, you know, Brogdon, especially, I mean, you look at like, you look at like the RPM leaderboard for shooting guards. Like, (laughs) I mean, we've kind of joked about it. Like, and I've gone back to like my days podcasting with Steve on Horn, like there aren't good shooting guards. So, you know, like Brogdon almost by default um, is like a pretty high, like, he's probably like a top 10 shooting guard just cause there really aren't many star shooting guards. And he's obviously like for his role, um, you know, he can be frustrating in, in some respects, but overall, I mean, he's a 50, 40, 90 guy right now. Um, you know, he's able to kind of make runs by himself, even if he doesn't have like a great kind of supporting cast around him. So I think long story short, like you feel pretty good about like just the talent level of your starting five. And then you have kind of guys who can back up most spots at this point. So I was struggling a little bit because my first question was, you know, especially if you're making a trade, you're not making a trade because you need regular season depth. Like that's not what the Bucks would make a trade for, right? The whole point of a trade. I mean, again, I'm I'm not assuming, you know, at this point the Bucks have been knock on wood healthy, so I'm not assuming that, you know, if somebody got lost for the season, like Brogdon gets lost for the season or something, then obviously things can change, right? But kind of where the Bucks are right now, there's not, I think, kind of some obvious like, oh, we need to upgrade this position. Um, or, or you're like screwed or can't compete in the playoffs. So I was kind of going back and forth a little bit, and I'd be curious to know your take because part of me was thinking, well, if I think about the kind of the, the soft spots in the rotation right now, I'd probably say point guard is no longer a soft spot because, you know, George Hill as like a third guard is like a really nice luxury to have, I would say. I'm not sure how many mm-hmm. teams can claim to have a guy that good as your third guard. I mean, Terry Rozier maybe last year, but not so much this this year um <laughs> and so when i look at like kind of like where's the weak spot in the rotation i think the bucks have a lot of like really solid wing depth 
Um, they maybe don't have like a lights out like bench scorer on the wing, but I think you know they have the best offense in the league, so they're coping pretty well. And you know, Chris is going to play a ton of minutes. Brogdon's going to play a ton of minutes in the playoffs, and Giannis can even in theory slide down to sub three. Although I don't think we're going to see that much. Um, so like, if I think about like weak spots, and I often like kind of pick on Thon Maker, but that's you know backup five is probably where I'm maybe like the least comfortable. Um, just because but what again, do you like, want there? Yeah, well, that, and that's the question, right? Because I, the more I think about it, though, it's like I don't think like another traditional big man is really like what you're going to go to. Like, and and again, if Brook Lopez got hurt, then I think I would be very interested in a guy like Dwayne Dedman, right? Like, if Brook Lopez is lost for the year, having at least one like traditional center that I feel good about, um, that's been kind of proven and can you know play defense at a reasonably high level and you know like i wouldn't be totally afraid of putting against like Embiid or something like that in the playoffs that would be really nice but as long as brooke is healthy i agree like i'm not really that desperate for Dwayne deadman because i think especially in the playoffs too i think you know like outside of like a um uh, like a uh, a sixer series like i don't need like two i don't need like 48 <laughs> minutes of traditional big men right Yep. So that's kind of probably my my biggest hesitation, and you know, like what what um, Paul Pressy twenty five friend of the pod mentioned, like about trading Thon. Um, I mean, there would be. I mean, I guess if you wanted to shed salary for next year, like you know, that could accomplish a little bit of that because Thon's making three plus million and Deadman's an expiring salary. But I mean, I think you could dump Thon for nothing in the off season, most likely if he continues to play the way he does. So if for some reason you needed to clear space and wanted to get rid of Thon, I think you could do that. Um, so yeah, I don't. I guess the long and short of it is, as long as the Bucks are healthy, and you're really thinking about it from a playoff perspective, I, I mean, I, I guess I would view Dwayne Dedman like if you could get him for you know Jason Smith and a future second. Like, I don't know. I think that's a, maybe some questionable asset management, unless you really have concerns about or health or something like that at the center position. Um, so I, I'm kind of leaning towards the idea of just. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to really convince myself that there's really an obvious move or a position of need that you really need to fill at this point. Am I like just totally putting on rose colored glasses for the bucks or what do you think? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think there's always the desire to have more talent and more talented players at, at any yeah. position. And, you know, as, as fans, like that's a lot of the fun of it, right? Like being able to yeah. talk and bullshit with your buddies about trades and, you know, how your team can get better is, is a lot of fun, but uh, one thing I—it's I, funny that this this kind of idea came up. But uh, I had asked Bud about this pregame, but you know, I asked with you know with DJ kind of playing better now. Does it feel like you've given yourself uh, another look that you might be able to go to in the playoffs? And he he kind of said, yeah, you know, in some ways, like we've had him close out some games. We've had him, you know, close out like the very final possessions and also close out the final five or six minutes. And, you know, on film, he really flashes defensively and rebounding and doing those little things. And, you know, I just kind of think to, I think to like every playoff matchup you've ever seen and matchup is important right? Like matchup is a word that you think about in the playoffs, like playoff John Henson existed because he had a good matchup against that, that Bulls team and playoff Thon has existed because what he could do was useful in the two series that the, the Bucks have, have had with him on the playoff roster. And 
again, I, I just think that when you get to the playoffs, I think you want to be is as, as multifaceted as possible. And again, should should and anyone trust Thon Maker and DJ Wilson in those situations yet? Obviously, no. Like there's there's not enough track record there. They haven't proven it. I, I understand all the questions, but Play, playoff you know, thon though we have to acknowledge playoff thon. Playoff thon does exist, so he, he has done it on that stage. <laughs> he just hasn't like carried that over to a regular season, and now he's in a different system with Bud. But you know, like as I think through it, you kind of have the the DJ looks where uh, he's in some ways kind of show uh, not in some ways he's shown more in short, short role situations on the offensive side of the ball. He's able to catch balls in that situation that something Don has struggled with, but in those situations, able to catch the ball, make passes, make plays. So that gives you a different look offensively, defensively. He's quicker. He can do some switching. We've seen him do some of that. So maybe if you, you don't need to, pressure quite as much as Thon has done in the past. Uh, you think of these last two playoff series where he switched a lot, where you just need to kind of contain and worry about on-ball defense, like DJ kind of works in that situation. If you need the other thing, Thon works in that situation. And, you know, as you kind of go through all those options, like you think through Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton and uh, Dante DiVincenzo, and you think about guys that can kind of, if you need to in a pinch, fill in and do things defensively. And, you know, I just feel like you, you've kind of in some ways stumbled into this spot where you have a lot of different looks that you can use once you get to the postseason. And I, I just feel like that's huge. And, uh, you know, training for a Dwayne Dedman, I think makes you feel more confident in the backup center position, but I don't think it necessarily gives you a different look in the backup center position. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but in some ways it's, it's kind of, He'd be a similar look to Brooke Lopez, which again, against the Joel Embiid's of the world, very helpful. Like you're going to want that muscle to go up against Embiid, but at the same time, are you going to want that muscle to chase around Al Horford? Probably not. Like I don't think I don't think that's probably a, a really strong look for you. Are you going to want him, you know, trying to chase around Serge Serge Ibaka? Like. Probably not. So, like, I just think if there is one thing, maybe you're thinking that DJ Wilson and Thon Maker are too similar in filling kind of that switchy, high energy kind of role. Um, and for that reason, you want a, another big that can, you know, bump around with MB a little bit. But, you know, I think it becomes really difficult to find huge weaknesses with his Bucks team that just aren't trade for a better player than the one you have, right? Like, of course, if you can find some way to upgrade from Chris Middleton, upgrade from Chris Middleton. If you can find a way to upgrade from Eric Bledsoe, do it. And same thing for Brogdon. Uh, Lopez, I don't think you can. Um, same thing for Ursan or, or DJ or Pat or Sterling or, or whatever it may be. Like, if you can find an upgrade there, that's great. But, you know, I think ultimately what this trade deadline comes down to, and, and we had a number of other questions there. Uh, I know at Whitetail Takes it asked us, uh, at last firstism had asked us as well, you know, what does a trade deadline look like? Is there something that you're targeting? So it's a similar, similar version of the question that we just asked there. But, you know, I think when you, when you kind of go through it, uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot there. I, I think there's certain to me, there's nothing obvious that's just sitting out there like, duh, do this thing. Um, I, I think obviously you're going to want to, be thinking about ways to improve and get better. But, 
you know, ultimately, I, I feel like this probably turns into more of a, a buyout market kind of team where you try to figure out exactly how what you could get there. Um, that might mean, I think DJ Wilson, you, you're better at contract stuff than I. I think DJ Wilson becomes guaranteed on January 10th, fully guaranteed. Um, so I think that... No, he's DJ, wait, DJ Wilson or oh, Christian sorry, Wood? Oh, Christian Wood, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Wood becomes fully guaranteed on January 10th. So like, I think there's got to at least be some thought there that if you want to be a player in the buyout market, that would be your non-guaranteed deal that you would have to to cut loose. So um, uh, to me, that feels more likely than really have, having a whole lot here at the trade deadline or some real obvious move there. Yeah, I mean, the flip side, though, is like, you know, getting a really like useful player at the in the buyout market is also generally harder. I mean, like Philly had sort of an outlier um, year last year when they got both Chile sure. Silva and Bellinelli and both those guys like kind of played probably largely above their heads for the rest of the season and were kind of a big part of, of what they did. Like I'd say normally you're, you're not going to find, I mean, you'd be lucky to find like one guy who actually like, you know, plays it all for you and i think especially for the bucks probably be hard and again we'd have to do like have a more detailed look at, at who might be available but my guess is you're probably not gonna find somebody that that you'd really want to kind of plug into to your rotation i think the one guy the one type of guy who might be interesting to me as like a potential upgrade um in the rotation would be like you look at the guys that the bucks have played on the wings off the bench um they are, you know, like they don't really have like a give you twenty points in twenty minutes type guy off the bench per se. Ah, uh, Shabazz Muhammad type. Okay, okay. Don't, <laughs> no, don't I'm messing with you. I'm messing with yeah. you. No, I, like, like you know, a guy that that has been thrown around a lot. Who I think the I think like the Orlando Magic are going to want more for Terrence Ross than I think the Bucks should be willing to give up. Most likely, he's an expiring contract. Um, they're probably going to try to get like some good teams like late lot or late first round pick or something like that and again like i don't you know the bucks had don't have a first round pick to give up for terrence ross anyway but um but like a guy like that who i mean he averages like 13 points in 25 minutes per game shoots a lot of threes um like has athleticism you know that again i don't know that he necessarily always uses it in the most um non-frustrating ways but um but like he's a guy who you know like you know Connaughton, uh, you think about the, the kind of bench guys, I mean, Snell just doesn't get up enough shots, you know, as much as I, I do generally yeah. like Snell. He just doesn't kind of shoot as much as you might want for a guy who has, you know, generally good percentages. Um, Connaughton just hasn't been able to make a shot and, you know, is kind of stuck in the kind of, you know, bench purgatory for the moment. I'm, I'm guessing we will see something from Pat Connaughton at some point this season. You know, DiVincenzo, interesting game, but just, again, hasn't shot an NBA level ever. So um, my guess is he gets a shot, but, but, you know, he's also not that kind of guy. So there might be, you know, and Sterling Brown, I mean, I like Sterling Brown a lot, you know, but he's also not a gunner. Like he doesn't want to jack threes. Like he still has to get kind of over um, maybe his like kind of Jason Kiddish, you know, kind of hesitation to shoot threes and shoot pull up twos and things like that. Um, So I, maybe that that person fits at all though. Like this bench unit in the last month has transformed into like a shutdown unit. Like with George Hill there, they have just not given up points. They haven't scored a lot. Don't get me wrong. So they're, they're not doing a lot of that, but you know, do you think that fits like finding, uh, 
I'm not going to say a, it's a more gunnery type of player, someone who's going to be more concerned about the offensive end. Like, do you think that actually fits with kind of what they're doing with their second unit defensively? I think I think there still is room to have maybe somebody in that mix who is like a more like a steadier and I hesitate to call Terrence Ross steadier, but but like somebody who is a more proven sort of scorer or at least like, you know, will because part of me is just I mean, really, this season's going to come down to like, can the Bucks finally get over their playoff demons and, you know, have what it takes to hopefully not just win against a lower seed in the first round, but also um, potentially beat a team, you know, a higher seed or, or a team that's very comparable to you in, in the second round. Right. I mean, that's, that's so much of it's going to come down to this. So like, I think just thinking about, you know, guys who might be able to help in that regard. And, and again, a lot of it, I just kind of, I mean, again, like is, is one guy going to like wreck your defense or something like that on a, you know, in your wing rotation? I don't think so. I mean, I think you probably find a lot of guys who can do similar things to what the Bucks wings currently do now. Sterling Brown might be an exception to that just because I think he plays with a kind of different edge than some of the other guys. But, um, but I, I think that, you know, you may still be able to, to get some, some more, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I just worry that the Bucks like wing rotation, like, do I trust them in playoff games to make shots? And, you know, as much as I like Tony Snell, he's been a guy who just has games where he takes three shots and doesn't make any. And you don't even notice he's on the, I mean, he, plays fine defense but like offensively he's just like does this person you're talking about exist um i don't I, well that's the thing i don't think it's a i don't i don't expect them to to make a deal for this and i'm i'm fine with it because i think probably the asking price is gonna be too high but you could probably you could probably convince me that there may be there may be some um some guy that might have been like like i thought a lot about kyle corver early in the season before he got traded to utah mm-hmm. i think he would have been a really interesting guy to have on the Bucks because he's obviously well first off he's been a really heady defender his entire career so kind of overcoming a lot of his you know perceived physical limitations and now age limitations yeah. um but I think he would have been like a really interesting guy to throw into the mix um for a team like the Bucks just given his ridiculous shooting ability on a team like, that emphasizes shooting like the Bucks or or even like Wayne you know Wayne Ellington type guy like just a guy who's like just a total knockdown shooter who could um, just win you a game if you needed to in the like in yeah, the past just, if he got hot like it, exactly. he could totally swing it by hitting five threes yeah yeah exactly and I, and I don't the way I look at the Bucks right now like even though they shoot tons of threes I don't really look at them as having like guys who are going to swing a playoff game because they make a bunch of threes yeah. like Brooke Lopez but other he than might. that like yeah. George Hill doesn't shoot enough threes Bledsoe doesn't shoot a lot of threes even Brogdon could be that guy but you know, whatever he's a starter. Like you expect him to, to to play well, and he doesn't like shoot like heat check threes either. So that might be one area where I think maybe there's some some world that they could acquire like a knockdown shooter who could maybe even give them a, an even bigger kind of you know threat. Um, and again, it's kind of mm-hmm. funny to say that when offensively they're first in the league right now, but you know we know in the playoffs like things can get different, um, and this yeah. team is still somewhat unproven in that regard, obviously. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that that's a good one. Like, and and again, like, I think the only way we can kind of do this is think about player archetypes and be like, okay, like you could kind of use this. Um, but yeah, Corver was one that I thought really. I thought it was collision course for the Bucks that you know buyout market was going to happen and that would kind of be their guy. Um, and then the Jazz kind of went over the top of what I think anyone was kind of thinking 
uh, Kyle Korver's market was, but they went out and got him, and, and that was that. So um, I think that'll be interesting to watch in the trade deadline. I'm trying to think if there was uh, there was one other trade deadline kind of thought from at MKE Hurdum, and it, it the the scenario he sets up are is. Uh, Bucks get a deal to dump Tony Snell's deal using only their future second round picks for an expiring contract. Um, I believe you asked in the hypothetical if that meant no matter what that person was not playing, like they were just like so bad that they could never see the floor. So it was literally just an expiring contract. Yeah. Um, Like a Jason Smith type. (laughs) Correct. Um, And then the question was, can the Bucks afford to lose Tony Snell for little to nothing considering the position first place slash title contention they're in? And I got to say, um, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think about because the, the, again, this is something that, uh, especially in this podcast with a, a cap expert, like Frank, um, we're going to talk about the cap and, and think about the future and, you know, kind of what's going, what's going to happen with this team going forward. But I think that's crazy. Like, I, I think it is just flat out crazy. And again, you're paying way too much for 17, solid minutes off the bench and, and i think you could probably kind of convince yourself that uh, pat Connaughton or dante divincenzo could kind of fill that role uh despite neither of them really shooting the basketball um at all this season um i think you could probably convince yourself but i, I just think this team is too good and too much in a it, too too solid at the moment and and going forward for the rest of this year to subtract anything. Like, I think you are only adding things because in the NBA, like, I don't know how many years you can feel. uh, And I discussed this a little bit on Twitter day. Like, I don't know how many years you can feel like, yeah, my team could win the Eastern conference. Like, Like that's not a thing that, that you should have this level of confidence on. And, you know, I, I just don't know that I could, you know, think through, uh, you just mentioned it, in a playoff game, uh, Dante and Pat going 0 for 8 from 3 and losing by 6 points and wondering, hmm, would Tony Snell have hit 3 of those? Because I like, I just think the margins are too thin. And again, I don't want to say future be damned, but in some ways, like if you have a year where you think you can get to the NBA Finals, it's going to be real tough for me to take something away from that team just to make my cap picture a little bit better. And I should say a little bit better. It's, it's significant 11 or 10, 10 and a half, whatever it is uh, for future years. Like uh, that's, that's a lot, but man, I don't know if I could live with myself thinking I took even just 2% away from my team by, by doing that move. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I had tweeted, I didn't give away my answer, but I, I had teased that I think it's a great question because I feel like my answer would likely be different from the team's answer. Um, and so sure. my guess is um, the team would not like do a salary dump of Tony for the reasons that you mentioned, um, but I would. <laughs> and and really? you know that I'm, I, you know, I'm not as like, um, cartoonishly overboard with my Tony Snell standum as I am with like you know Christian Wood and Sterling Brown, um, where I, I frequently <laughs> reference them. But you know, St- Tony's one of those guys who I feel like has been underrated, or or especially last year, I feel like people talked about him as though he was like 
in some massive slump all season when he shot 40 percent from three you know like it was like i don't know i feel like people kind of lost yeah. sight of yeah. um kind of what he did uh and so i i think he's and, and we've talked about him he's been he had you know i think he's what only started like maybe one or two games but um but he's been that like guy who plays like every night it seems like he's he has not caught those random dnp cds the way some of these other guys have um but that said i mean like you know if think about it this way so um like we've kind of talked about some of the cap scenarios this summer right um if you keep cap holds for like middleton and and brogdon and think about like okay is there some scenario where you could go after somebody um you know like a max slot sacrificing Bledsoe or something right um you, you right now you really don't have like a way to do that you'd have like basically what basically you can replace Bledsoe with a, a contract similar to what Bledsoe probably is going to make like a 20 million a year type player right which is obviously not a max type player um if you got rid of Tony Snell's contract you'd basically be very close in the ballpark of having like a max slot for a seven to nine year player, like a low 30 plus million range contract. Um, now we can debate how much of an upgrade somebody like Kemba would be. Um, I don't think Kemba is actually going to leave Charlotte in the first place, but I mean, I think that's a really interesting scenario, right? Um, like would you swap basically Tony Snell and Eric Bledsoe for Kemba Walker for the next you know three years or something like that? Um, I think it's very possible that could be kind of one of those moves that, that maybe that does put you over the top, especially if Bledsoe, for instance, you know, has another bad playoff series, right? Or you just feel like you can't trust him in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I kind of view it through that lens. And also I think in the playoffs, you know, between George Hill, Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, and Dante DiVincenzo, I think you need probably only two of those guys to really play every night. Um, because, you know, again, like I think between Hill being like the third cog in the kind of three, three guard rotation and, um, you know, like I, I would say you could easily just run, um, Sterling Brown, George Hill, and then kind of stretch out some of those other guys and then plug in Connaughton or DiVincenzo like only as needed. Um, I think you could. I, I honestly think you could get away with that. This feels a very different from the answer you just gave about being worried about not having enough on the wings in the playoffs. Well, but like, I don't think, I think that my point is though, is that like Tony Snell is sort of like, he's like the same. He, he's very like, I, I, I think, and again, like obviously don't the, say he's the same as those two. Do not say that. Well, they but, shoot 28% from three. Well, but he's not giving you what I think the bucks are missing. Right. Which is more of like that kind of okay. like microwave type score. Like, Tony's kind of, unfortunately, the, this is probably my biggest complaint about Tony is that he just, I mean, he's the perpetual low usage guy, like just never gets enough shots up, like even when he's hot, right? Like it's, it's just, it just seems like he, mm-hmm. he never gets more than five or six shots. And and even though he is not, I don't think he's bashful with his threes either. It's just like, he's just not really, he's one of those guys who just doesn't, doesn't seem to be as involved as you kind of would want him to be. So um, I think, uh, again, like, I think, again, like, between Sterling and George Hill, you could like if if Sterling and George Hill took all of like you know what what is now like those guys plus Tony Snell, like if you basically just ramped up, you know Middleton, Bloods, you basically just ramped up your starters plus those two, you know guard slash wing guys. I don't know if you're missing that much. Two percent. Well, if you're playing like better players, more minutes. I mean. 
Bledsoe, Brogdon, and Middleton are all better than Tony Snell. So if part of those minutes are going to better players, then, you know, I mean... I get that bump as well with Tony Snell, obviously. Like, what are we talking about? Well, is, is playing Tony Snell more minutes desirable? Like, who, whose minutes are you sacrificing to get more Tony Snell? Do you, you think you like... Pat and Dante. But they don't play. You just said they're going to have to play no, some. No, 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 but I'm saying, I'm saying like, relative to, like, There's, where you, you are You can't right get now. to a playoff rotation with seven players. I'm not saying... I'm, I'm saying... I haven't even talked about your big guys. You you definitely need at least DJ or Thon playing minutes. I'm saying like it's probably like an eight or nine man rotation, right? It's probably like a nine man rotation, something like that. Sure. So so your four, let's say your four guys are, you know, but in your scenario, you're giving yourself the addition of those guys, and I'm not getting the addition of those guys. I would say you're. I would say there's. I think there's a credible nine man rotation that could be Hill, basically your starters. Plus Hill, Sterling, DJ, and maybe some Thon minutes thrown in. Or Urson. And maybe that's too heavy on bigs. That's probably too heavy on bigs because Giannis is going to play, you know, 38 uh-huh. minutes or something like that. But again, it's like like George Hill can play. Like who, you know, like look at, look at your guards, right? You want to play Bledsoe, Hill, Brogdon all 33 yeah. plus minutes per game, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't disagree. So you know, you basically are probably you're going to play Chris probably a few more minutes. So I think you're probably already kind of playing either Sterling or Tony out of a spot anyway. Okay. So anyway, it just felt like you had two very different answers for the first time you talked about this to the second time that you talked about this. Like the playoff rotation seemed to change for each answer. Well, I, I think when I was talking about Pat or Dante needing to play some. Well, I mean, whatever. Like, I, again, I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, if Pat Connaughton like shoots his career average of thirty-five, thirty-six percent from three, then I don't. Are you actually missing him relative to Tony, who's shooting high thirties, close to forty? Like, is that a is that a big difference? You think? I don't think a big difference, but I, like like I said in my answer, two percent. If it's two percent this year, like I'm changing the peak performance of this team by 2%, I'm not interested. And I think I, I think that's and, totally fair, and I think that's probably why they would not do it, because they don't, like, I think the Bucks would not want to appear to be sellers at the deadline. And, and what I was trying to do was get at how much you think that would actually change. Like, do you, do you think doing that move takes them down 2%? Like, peak performance of the team? Um, <laughs> peak performance of the team? I would say this, they would definitely, I'd say their risk level would go up, right? Because I, it, I'm not worried about. I would say it's not really a peak question so much as um, you're less you're less capable of dealing sure. with an injury. I think that's the challenge. Yeah. Okay. That 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 was which is relevant. Which is relevant. Yes. Yeah. That that was all I was just trying to get at was like I think it does take it down a little bit, which is why I, like I just I just couldn't see it. But the the idea that you could have a max spot, I mean, I think is. Is very interesting to a lot of people, um, and uh, obviously something that people always want to talk about and think about is, is having that. Um, all right, that wasn't even a plan. We, we weren't even planning on talking about our playoff rotation, but that was something June's Frishes just act, asked about, so we just did it. Um, Classic locked on Bucks move. 